We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Deus. Nick Deus 10 is where you can find me. My guy back in the building. Haven't seen you in a bit, man. How you doing? Fantastic. Did you want to fist Busy me there? Day. Like, uh, no, I'm, just, I'm right. glad to be back. Right, but yeah, right, yeah, we can do it. I don't know. Lately, <laughs> lately, I've been doing podcasts. I don't know why. Like, I'm on Zoom or whatever platform may be that you could do this on. And I'm just, like, waving my hands and all that. I'm just getting back into the podcast frenzy. Even though it's weird. Like, I don't know. It's summertime. Football's on for a few months. We know how crazy September gets. I probably should dial it back soon. Like this should this is supposed to be the easy time here. Yet I don't know. I'm doing way too much. So well, yeah, man. It's weird because like I know uh, NBA free agency is getting crazy. That's going to be next week. So there'll be some NBA coverage. You, you playing a rank, rank yet? Uh, due to some circun- certain circumstances with the uh, New York Knicks. You know what's crazy, man? Like I I tweeted about it before. Um, like this idea that you're making all these moves for Jalen Brunson. Mm is like wild to me you're moving heaven on earth to clear up this cap space or to uh, you know get rid of these bad contracts to leave room to sign him it's kind of crazy to me yeah like he he's probably like a top 15 point guard i think the case for him would be um you know his numbers without luca are substantial right mm-hmm. he averages like over 20 a game without yeah. luca and then when luca on the field he's so ball centric and shit mm-hmm. like that like i get it but it's still like wild to me where if I was an NBA GM, if you if I'm gonna give you a max or a super max of some kind or a big contract, right, where you're gonna take up twenty five to thirty million dollars on my cap, you need to be an All NBA, top twenty five, top thirty kind of player, like a real game changer. Like, you need to, yeah, I need you to. It needs to be worth it yeah. for me. Like change the landscape. Yeah, it gotta be a meaningful. Fortunately, he doesn't do that, and I and I hate that for him because he's a fun player and he's a really likable guy. He's from Villanova, so like he was part of that championship program, and you know everyone loves him. But it's just oh, he's gonna be in this unfortunate situation where it's just like he's gonna be the scape. He's gonna be the scapegoat too, bro. Because like to me, I don't think they're a playoff team with him. Like I still don't think they make the playoffs. 
Like it, do, maybe eight, maybe playing game. The silver lining to it is that it it frees up like twenty five million dollars in some weird loophole because they the bird rights for R J Barrett. Oh. So then if they could sign R J to this like crazy supermax, which I wouldn't be opposed to that. Like I prefer giving that money to R J Barrett mm-hmm. personally, but it's just it's just always weird to me where like you make all these moves for a guy where it's like mm, okay, yeah. you know what I mean like. I don't know. It's just weird. It's but nice. I, yeah. I want to. I want to say that for a yeah. different time. We got a lot on the menu here. Uh, I want to open this conversation up with a podcast I recorded earlier the week. Shout to my guy Kenny King of the Real Talk Podcast. We do a lot of stuff. We were talking about the AFC West, and I said on there because we're doing the division preview, you know, addition subtraction. We're going to record one for Monday on the NFC South. It'll be up on the Patreon for those of you listening now. A little early preview, but. My storyline, and I want to get your thoughts on it because you're one of the people whose football opinion I definitely respect. Obviously, I wouldn't be having you on the pod as much as I do if I didn't. Mm -hmm. I feel like right now, going into next season, we're not talking about how it might play out. Yeah. Right? I'm talking about right now, we're in July, Mm -hmm. basically in July. How I felt about any division going into a football season, I think this is the greatest division of all time. The 2022 AFC West. Because yeah. I think what makes it stand out is like, when have you seen four teams that are clearly ready to win now? Like, they are positioned to win 11 games. You could maybe not win a Super Bowl, but at least be in that conversation. And we're talking about a conference that where there's maybe three bad teams. Like, this is a jam packed conference, and the AFC West is at the height of it. Like, you have four teams, stabilized QBs. All franchise quarterbacks, playmakers across the board, and I think defenses that definitely could battle. Even though they might have flaws here and there, these are defenses that you know you could trust that they're going to force turnovers and hold it together. Yeah, how many all pros are in this division across the board? Oh man, like twenty five. That's a long conversation. I know, right? But I'm saying <laughs> I mean, we could we could go through it, but it's going to be how a stacked lo- it is. The defensive yeah. lines, the secondaries, mm-hmm. the receivers. Yes. Bro, Derek Carr might be the worst quarterback in this division, mm-hmm. and he's what top twelve? Yes, 13-ish? minimum minimum twelve. Minimum yeah. twelve. Because right? he, he's past two seasons, Derek Carr has just been unbelievable. And now he has yeah. a legitimate stallion on the outside, yeah. the best wide receiver he's ever. They played have a hell of a trio. Just three guys that could create separation whenever they want. And, they, and and like the Raiders are in this spot where they make the playoffs last year. They had a season through hell, but they were able to weather the storm with all the craziness mm-hmm. that was going on in front office and players on Instagram yeah. with Gats and yeah. the Henry Ruck situation uh-huh. where you're like, yo, this team is going to break eventually. Mm-hmm. But to me, like right now, you're looking at it, all three teams, I think the Raiders are the only one with an eight and a half win total, which is still high. Usually the last place team with the lowest win total uh-huh. projected is like six. Man, I feel like if they're in any other division, they're 10 wins. Bro, any other division? All the other three other teams, Chargers, Chiefs, and the Broncos, mm-hmm. all have ten wins or more. Yeah, Chiefs have the highest in the AFC with the Bills at mm-hmm. eleven and a half. And you're looking at it like all the quarterbacks are top eight favorites to win MVP, mm-hmm. with the exception of Carr, but he's like twelfth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this division is stacked, bro. Yeah. And I think like remember last year I, I said was, all I, four teams in the. The West and the NFC might make the playoffs. I was going to mention that before. Yeah, we were both thrilled about it, even though Arizona didn't look quite ready. But it's like, okay, Arizona has enough stars where they're going to 
attract interest, but you know, obviously Rams had all the fanfare. Seattle was still Seattle. Well, Seattle time. also lost Russ for about six games, which yeah. kind of because they were about five hundred. Right, they were going to be a, a contender going into right. the, so, the, yeah, end of the season. Injuries did affect it because we know how good Arizona was early part. San Fran, oh, Mary, man, remember we? I did. I I'll. I turned on San Fran. Remember, I went on like a pretty passionate rant about how the Niners look completely dysfunctional, and you know we might have to start talking about Kyle Shan, but they picked up at the second half. Of this Bro, season. I called him overrated on the pod with you and Impy, like at the halfway show. And, and then, I, I didn't say no to because at this point I was so fed up with San Fran because they were so undisciplined. Yeah, and then they and boom, then they got boom. hot. Yeah, and they they end up going all the way to the NFC title game. And, and who knows? Like maybe that could be the case because it's just so hard for all four teams in the division to be over 500 so who knows maybe the broncos start off slow or things aren't going right with uh patrick mahomes without tyreek hill like one of these teams could start slow and then boom second half of the season maybe every fourth down decision for brandon staley goes goes south and i mean it was working early on i hope (laughs) it was yeah yeah but yeah man i i i think this division is it's unbelievable it's really I'm fascinated by it. That's why I'm I got so many prime time games. I, and I'm excited that I was looking at the NFL schedule and there's some like, you know, the four twenty five Broncos at Chargers mm-hmm. game. Like that's gonna be a game where I'm gonna tune into. Yeah. Cause you know how a lot of times we'll talk about there's maybe two or three weeks a year where we call it the plus one weekend. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, eh, you know what, this weekend, man, you could probably avoid watching Red Zone. Like, go out, go out with your lady, go out with your man. If you that's usually like, like late October, late November, October, the bye weeks hit. But there's always that one slate where you're like, fuck, the best game is like Carolina, Atlanta. You're like, what the hell? I, I hope that, I hope that no, never no, is. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first one that came to my mind. But I think if you have that on the menu, that's going to be like America's game of the week. Yeah. In that four thirty right. window, Eastern Nance time. and Romo on the call. Yeah. So I'm I'm fascinated by that. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that before we we dove into this mm-hmm. episode. Uh, Terry McLaurin got paid. Well deserved. Absolutely. Yeah. The best wide receiver in the NFL that people don't talk enough about. It comes from a statistic standpoint. Yeah. It just he doesn't get the ball, but you put him in. Uh, but an offense like in Kansas City, I think he puts up 14, 1,500 yards. I mean, yeah. 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 He's he's amazing. He's mm-hmm. so reliable. Mm-hmm. He's had a shit storm of quarterbacks mm-hmm. uh, that he's played with. Um, he's never really had a, a real quarterback for, for like back-to-back seasons. No. He hasn't had one, right? No. And to me, he's just been so consistent, uh, team captain. A guy who um, I remember the one video that stood out to me about him. It was in his rookie season, and it was when Ron Rivera came back from uh, the um, the cancer stuff. And he was like, "It might have not been his rookie year, but I remember vividly him saying like, hey, man, it's our first win of the year.' I know I'm not a captain or anything, but he did like the team breakdown, mm-hmm. the team talk at the end. It was like, yo, it is a good feeling. I want to feel this more, you yeah. know, us winning and stuff. And I was just like, oh, this kid gets it. Yeah, like he's one of those that gets it, yeah. and he's. He's just solid, yeah, bro. And we know that organization needs it. They This is probably one of the best moves they've made in the past five years. Yeah, it's one that you get your fan base to be like, all right, finally yeah. a Washington headline that's not going to make me throw up. Right. We get to keep one of our top guys, mm-hmm. if not our top guy. Yeah. I think he's the best player you, on you, Washington. You need to keep those kind of guys. Everyone says, oh, maybe see what you could get from a trade. It's like eventually you have to keep some of these core players around. You can't just keep flipping draft picks here. Yeah, and, and especially when he's 25 years old, yeah, 26. Just, and, and he's, and he's the, done everything he can to prove himself. Yeah. I was so happy when I saw that. Yeah, I remember talking with Josh. I was like, yo, they might get rid of him. He's like, nah, bro, we got to keep him. 
He's like, yo, every headline from Washington sucks. Dude. He's like, we can't let. He's like, yo, if I wake up and they say that they traded Terry McLaurin, he's like, I'm gonna be sick. He's like, I'm gonna unsubscribe it's, from it, league, not league pass, a Sunday ticket. It's just gonna be like just another Washington moment. But you know, they made the right move in that that 2019 draft class. Starting what to get paid. About? Yeah, all them. AJ Brown four for 100. His was three for 71. Mm. Now there's still what's going on with Debo. What's going on with Metcalf? Two mm. guys that I think should get paid. Same thing with Seattle, right? It's mm. like, yeah, you could trade Metcalf. But like, don't you want to keep yeah. some pieces to make it yeah. appealing for players to come here too in the offseason? I think the only way Metcalf could trade is if he just kind of wears out his welcome because he is a bit vocal. Like we don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. Like we know Terry McLaurin, he's had you know great character guy. Just DK Metcalf, like I think he's mid publicly. He had a couple of uh, a lash. He had a couple of moments where he lashed out like Bobby Wagner had to calm down the sideline one time. So. I don't know how quite that situation is like in Seattle, but you know, from recent interviews, it seems like he's calmed down. Mm. Yeah, time heals all. Yeah, been away from it for a little bit, mm. kind of makes it easier for you to understand yeah. certain. Some things players don't take lo- young players don't take losing well either. So that could be especially when you come in and you, you're in the playoffs the first two years of your career. Yeah, you're like, success. oh shit, this is gonna be nothing, right? Yeah. I remember I asked uh, Deion Jones. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, your first year, you come into the league, go straight to the Super Bowl. Do you oh. think this is gonna be something you're gonna be? He's like, yeah, man, and then. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to get back there. But mm-hmm. when my first experience is I'm going to be in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is, I thought this would be harder. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like, damn, I put my words on that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. One of like people in the Bengals organization, like considering they have such a young nucleus, they hope it doesn't happen to them like that. Well, one of my very early bets that I'm having my eye on is Cincinnati to miss the playoffs. I mean, definitely could happen. That conference. It's like plus, it's like plus 180 for them to yeah. miss the playoffs. You look at, they check all the boxes for a team that's going to regress. It's the young team that clearly overachieves, right? Mm-hmm. They surpass their win total. They get all the way to the Super Bowl. Last drive to win it. Uh, you have one of the youngest rosters in the NFL. You still kind of have a head coach that people are not No one believes by. in. Yeah. yeah. Um, Burrow, obviously, you can't say enough good things about him. But now you look at the division – there's the wild uncertainty with Cleveland. There's the uncertainty at quarterback for Pittsburgh. And then you got the Ravens having all their guys coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to me, and then they're in the AFC. Right. And the biggest thing you said, Bengals, from a positive standpoint, is that their line can't possibly be any worse. Like their offense line was historically bad. And they did what the Chiefs did last year yeah. where they addressed it in the offseason. Yeah, they've got some decent pieces which what they need like maybe law Collins isn't quite the same player but you know what he's 20 times better than what they had so that's probably the best thing and uh besides that with the Bengals, just like yeah if if we know they have the star power they we know they're gonna score points it's just a matter of can the o-line take considerable steps and will zach taylor show progression because you know i think that defense is they have a solid nucleus there the last thing I want to talk to you about when it comes to Terry McLaurin and just wide receivers as a whole is, do you think the um, <clears throat> do you think the wide receiver position has changed so much that the money that these guys are making can hold their team back? I wish we had examples. I wish there were like more because I remember the statistic. No, it wasn't statistic. It was a fact that you saw a lot of the Super Bowl teams from recent years not have that big superstar receiver right like you look at those patriot teams even the eagles right like they didn't have that 
guy that was like top five wide right. receiver paid. Yeah. So that that used to be the thing. It wasn't so I think Tyreek Hill in Kansas City won it, where it's like okay, and then Tampa won it. So, and obviously the Rams now. Um, it's hard to have a opinion on this because. Because financially, it's so hard to keep track because, you know, some teams can maneuver on the cap, look at the Saints, and there's other teams that are so restricted by the cap and they don't quite know what they're doing. So I think it ultimately comes down to drafting and how, capitalizing on that rookie deal. So like the Bengals are going to be doing. Mm-hmm. So because I think that's like the proven recipe for success is your quarterback's on a rookie deal. And your stud wide receiver. Yeah. And just go all in. Keep going. Yeah. You saw with the Eagles. You saw with the Rams, you know, back with golf, even though obviously they didn't win a Super Bowl with them, but they made it. Um, you know, Kansas City, like, you know, there's been teams that have fully capitalized on it. Yeah, that's a strong ass point about yeah. having not only the quarterback on the rookie deal, maybe mm-hmm. that number one wide receiver. You're Justin Jefferson's I mean, year. Look at Bengals right now. Jamar Chase. Yeah, yeah man. That's but the Bengals really hit the jackpot. Yeah, back to back seasons. Yeah. And you're you still got another two I would say two more years. Mm-hmm. Of this with the Bengals, yeah. But yeah, we'll say we'll save more of the AFC North yeah. stuff later down the road. I think, gonna... I, yeah, I think this would be a good conversation. In two years, let's see some examples. Let's see what happens with a Terry McLaurin or AJ Brown. Like you know, guys getting these deals now. You know, eventually, yeah. eventually, Debo wherever he ends up. You're gonna hate this, but let's see what happens with like the Jets too. They got they got some stud wide receivers on rookie deals, and I mean. Uh, Zach Wilson is not on the same level as Joe Burrow, but I'm talking about just the concept of the rookie quarterback with the rookie wide receivers. I know you don't like this at all. I right? just, the Jets, it's just, comparing the Jets to the Bengals, it's like. No, I get yeah, that. I'm yeah. talking about just a scenario like what of they having build, the quarterback yeah. and the wide receivers both cheap. Right, yeah. In comparison to what a quarterback and wide receiver makes. Yeah, I just. I just don't know what to make of the Jets. Like, I just wish they could. I just wish they could do something. Like, they I know it sounds harsh. Your face when I said Jets. It's just like, I, what have they done? Like, can they be relevant in November? That's the first step. Like, I I know it sounds harsh, but it's just that's just how it is. But Grant, look, we at least I did. I completely wrote off the Bengals last year, and look mm-hmm. what happened. So yeah, maybe I'll be proven wrong. But like, there's just uh, nothing coming out of the Jets has me encouraged thinking like, okay, they could maybe win nine games. To me, they're a six-win team at best. Yeah, that's not gonna age well. The Jets, that Jets soundbite. I'm gonna clip it too. It's gonna be hysterical. <laughs> I mean, didn't you say uh, Robert Sala was gonna get fired in three years one time? Yeah, yeah, I still kind of believe it. So Zach Wilson might progress, but the coach. Well, yo, there's. You don't think that a team could get better but have a worse record? You don't think? A, 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 sorry, that a quarterback could get better, but a team could get. I'm saying there's there's been countless times where a team plays better. They're mm-hmm. a better team, but their record is worse. Oh, it's happened, but I just don't know about like a first or second year coach. Usually it kind of just connects. Like usually a team success is going to be based on a head coach. Maybe, I don't know, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but I just feel like the record the Jets have is going to kind of be all about Robert Sala. Well, their first couple of games are rough. Like until the bye week is like their first eight games are like playing some tough ass. Opponents. I mean, you're an AFC man. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I'm gonna repeat this by every AFC team. You, you better be ready to play, unless right. you're playing the Jaguars or the Texans. Oof. Hey man, I want to end with this um, big weekend in the fight world. Yes, UFC 276. The most must see fighter is fighting. Yeah, I think Asai is the most must see. If you want to say Engano, I'm not, hey, there'll be no arguments. But 
like to me as he's the gold standard mm. yeah not gonna disagree with that yeah but why why would you say that i just think off not invincibility because we can lose you know he did lose not too long ago but i just think the striking style and how unorthodox he is and it's just his overall highlight reel and just his composure like even when he's fighting these unpredictable strikers or these big power punches he's he, always he, he's in just control. so composed he knows how to manage distance and you know he's gone through those 25 minute battles this isn't someone that gets worn out you know he he competes and i just think his evolution over the past four years is to me like the best thing that's happened in the sport yeah I want to push back a little bit on his loss recently. That was at 205. Yeah, I, which I'm not harsh about at all. I just know from a, I guess, perception, people are going to Yeah, at that. But, yo, how about this, though, for perception, right, with mm-hmm. him? He was undefeated mm-hmm. and goes up a weight class to fight a guy who would weigh at, like, 225. Yeah, he would cut from 225. And Adesanya, like... I think he weighed in at like what one ninety seven. Yeah, he can. Like he didn't, you know. He's he's said many times. He's like, yo, my cut to one eighty five is like nine pounds. Yeah. He's like, I don't, you know. He's eating mm-hmm. in and out like fight week and <laughs> shit. You know, like he's like, this is where I feel the most comfortable. I'm not draining myself. And he's, I think he's only been over two two hundred like a few times like during out of camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and to think like he goes up to two hundred five. And is outweighed by Jan Blakovic. And the way that fight played out was on the feet, he was piecing him up. Yeah, which you expect. Which you would expect because yeah. he's an all-world striker. Mm-hmm. But then when he would take it to the ground, that's where he would struggle. And then it came out that, oh, this is how you're going to beat Adesanya. And then Vittori tried it. Mm-hmm. And then Robert Whitaker tried it too. But at 185, he's clearly the best guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this weekend, he's a massive favorite. He's almost a five to one favorite. Yeah, now. He's this decade's Anderson Silva. It's no doubt about it. He needs a couple more title defenses. But I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Like the style. He's on the it, trajectory. And, he, yeah. and he's flashy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think he has a much more impressive resume than Anderson Silva because I thought the middleweight division in his era, Anderson Silva's era, I'm talking about, was kind of weak. I think the middleweight division this era has been, especially his opponents, is very good. Like there's a strong collection of middleweights. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got Whitaker, you had Romero, uh, Gastelum. Mm-hmm. You've had some really good, really, really good guys. And what's fascinating about this card, Jared Cannonier used to fight a heavyweight, mm-hmm. the Killer Gorilla, his yeah. nickname. You're going to see the pictures if you're watching the card of what he looked like like six years ago mm-hmm. and what he looks like now. Has the power. There's a fight that Adesanya has been circling and campaigning for. He's like, yo, you're the dark horse in the division. Mm-hmm. And, and he's proven it. He's so he's passed a lot of tests, Karanir, and he's done it in very impressive fashion. Yeah, yeah. The the stoppage of Brunson. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he fought Whitaker, he lost to Whitaker, but he also broke his hand in the first round. Mm-hmm. So he was... That's the worst. He was hobbled. That's, that's happened a lot over the years. It's just when a fire breaks their hand the first round, and it's just there in such a precarious position. It's like, damn. Like, like how can I fully function? Or what about guys like Josh Emmett against Shane Burgos? He ends up winning that fight, but he blows out his ACL in yeah, 20 that's seconds just, in. That makes no Thiago sense. Tiago Santos <laughs> against John Jones. Uh-huh. Both his knees have to get surgically repaired. And you're looking at it like, damn, son, what happens mm. if those guys are healthy? Mm. But I think what's fascinating about this one is Adesanya is so, so good. And he knows what Cannoneer is going to want to do. Like, mm-hmm. the way I see this fight playing out is... Kananir can only win by knockout, but then yeah. Adesanya doesn't get hit. Yeah, Adesanya doesn't put himself 
in a firefight. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I think if I was to show someone an Adesanya fight for you to understand like who this guy is, there's two of them. What he did to Paulo Costa and then his fight against Gastelum. Yeah, Costa fight was a masterpiece. The Costa fight yeah. was a clinic. Yeah. One of my favorite title defenses anyone's right. ever had. You, you, you don't see title fights end that decisively and that be that one-sided, but going into it, there was there was legitimate talk about like, oh, Costa could He's the guy, him. yeah. Yeah, and Asanya shut that down. He made him look like uh, there was a sparring match yeah. with a guy who's like an amateur in your gym. It was kind of reminiscent to McGregor Alvarez. That's my favorite championship performance of all time. Asanya or McGregor? McGregor. Yeah, what McGregor did to Alves, Alvarez, Alvarez, yeah. excuse me, is the wildest. That's a clinic, dude. Yeah. Against a guy who was like, one of the most battle-tested fighters in pure MMA history, like Eddie Alvarez has been. Where's me second belt? Yeah, and like I just remember watch, like, dude, he's making him look like an amateur. This is scary. The hands behind the back and yeah. still piecing him up. MSG too. Oof. But uh, you know, I was thinking, is Kenanier the most unpredictable fighter? Asanya has ever faced, and I was like, "Wait a minute, he's fought Yoel Romero. There's probably no one more unpredictable than Yoel Romero." So, I don't think Kenanier is the most unpredictable fighter, but could you say maybe the most knockout power of all of Asanya's opponents? Ooh, that's a good one. Whitaker, you probably put up there, but I'm talking about pure I punching think, power. I think Kenanier is probably it, though. Nah, I think Whitaker is the best fighter that he's fought. No, I'm talking about pure knockout power. Nah, I want to say Whitaker has knockout power. Oh, then Kenanier. You, you I think Kenanier. So this is, is the. Probably the scariest in terms of knockout power outsiders ever faced. I think the only other guy that will come close is Paulo Costa. Okay. Everyone else, like I think Whitaker is the best fighter that yes. he's fought, without a doubt. Most unpredictable is definitely Yoel Romero because yeah. that fight ended up being a nightmare. Yeah. And Cannonier and Costa are probably the top two guys from a, a power standpoint that could put your lights out. That I would mm-hmm. say have been the biggest challenge for him. Right. And Cannonier is ultra aggressive, so I think it's gonna be a compelling fight. I just wonder. How competitive can it be? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the line shows you that it's probably not going to be competitive. Right. But at least Kanier, he's going to go for it. Yeah, that's true. There's a, a Before we get into the co-main, there's a fight on this main card that's fascinating that has to do with this main event. And it's Sean Strickland, a very wild boy on the social The wild media. card of all wild cards. <laughs> In many, many yeah. ways. He's fighting Alex Pereira. And Alex Pereira is a guy who... Has two wins over Adesanya in kickboxing. Most famously knocked out Adesanya in his last kickboxing affair. But if you ask Adesanya when he comments on it, he says, people see the knockout, but they don't see me taking every round from him in that fight Mm -hmm. up until that Mm -hmm. when I got caught. Adesanya wants that fight. Pereira wants that fight. Sean Strickland is a wild card in this division because he's a guy who he's had a better resume. He's been in the UFC longer, more of a complete MMA Mm -hmm. fighter. And... I really think whoever wins that fight is next in that division. Well, Despite you, Alex Pereira having this is his third UFC fight, but you know how they could just blast on up the rankings like, and just based off the storyline. Th- that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The storyline of it is like, like, and sometimes it just takes one pay per view performance to just bolster bolster you up. So yeah, I could easily see. I see if Pereira, even for win, like I just think they want to put together a compelling title fight in a division that's kind of in a bit of a murky place. Why not? Yeah, especially with Adesanya has cleaned out the, the division. Right. And it's weird. I've been talking about this many, many times. The UFC is in a weird spot where their 185, 170, and 145 champion have cleaned out their division. And the only guys that are the most formidable foe for them 
are the guys they have two wins over. Yeah. Adesanya Whitaker. You've seen the co-main. Usman Covington. Yeah. And then in the co-main, Max Holloway and Volkanovski. Yeah. You hope contenders emerge at some point. Because you want to see fresh matchups. How do you feel about a guy or girl getting a title shot for a third time when they're 0-2 versus that champion? Uh, I think it depends on the quality of performances that they put on, whether it's two wins or three wins. Because obviously you're not getting after one win. I only think you should get after two wins. I think you have to put together three wins that are ultra impressive to get that third title shot. But the matchup... It kind of is a bit lackluster. Like, I'm not overly thrilled about this. Coleman, even the Wolf guys are so really? lovable. Yeah, I think maybe if it's, I don't know if it's fatigue, but it's like 50 minutes of this. And the fights were good, but I don't think they're all that memorable. Maybe I'm just being harsh. I think you're being harsh. Okay. I think the second one. Like, was, no, look, everyone loves Max Holloway. Yeah. yeah but I think the second one was definitely more memorable than the first one. Okay. Because the second one, Max drops him twice. Right, okay. And he had, that was the only time, outside of the Brian Ortega submissions mm-hmm. that Volk was in, mm-hmm. those were the only two times where Volk looked mm-hmm. vulnerable and looked beatable in those scenarios where he has dropped. And I think a lot of people scored it from Max. I thought Max won that second I do remember fight. we watched it, yeah. But, but what's your take on it when it comes to the third fight? I, I respect the fighter that doesn't sit and wait for an immediate rematch. Obviously, circumstance matters, right? Mm-hmm. Mazadal waiting for the rematch with Usman. I'm with that because he took it on a week's notice. Yeah. That I get. Mm-hmm. I don't like the the Colby Covington approach where he loses it and then he's like, nah, I'm going to hold out for a rematch. And then they throw him Woodley yeah. because like, all right, bro, it's, it's been few. six months since yeah. he's fought. You need to fight. I don't like that. I love what Whitaker did. He loses Adesanya the first time. Then he goes through Till. Mm-hmm. Uh, till. He goes to Cannoneer. Mm-hmm. He goes to, I think it was like uh, Gastelum it might have been. Mm-hmm. My bad. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm blanking out. And then he gets another title right. shot. So with Max, Max gets the immediate rematch because the first fight was so close. Yeah. Loses the second one. And then he goes to Cater. And then he goes to Yair. And in the Yair fight, he didn't really need to take that. He mm-hmm. just took it because he's like, yo, you haven't fought. I haven't fought. I want to fight. I don't want to sit yeah. around. Play, streaming on Twitch anymore. Right. These fires, that's the right mentality. So to me, if you get that third title fight and you've worked your way back to it and there's no one else in the division. That, that, that too. Like you have to also look at it from a division. Yeah. There's play. no one else close yeah. to, to that now. So Cause I'm cool. Champs with got it. fight. Champs got, yeah, yeah. Champ wants to fight. I yeah. mean, even, even Volkanovsky, he mm-hmm. took the Korean zombie matchup, mm-hmm. violated him. <laughs> And he took that because he's like, yo, I want to, this is like legacy for me. I want to leave a legacy. This guy, the Korean zombie, is an iconic figure in the 145 division. Mm -hmm. And no one else wanted to fight. There was no one else left for me to fight. Yeah. I'm surprised that you're not intrigued. I I bet when it starts, I'll be intrigued because, like, look, both guys are phenomenal fighters and it's exciting. I'm just a little fatigued by the matchup, but. I mean, yo, if you look at the Mount Rushmore of 145ers, them two are on there. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, like, these are iconic guys, and they're both in their prime. Damn, who's though? the fourth? <laughs> McGregor. Who is the fourth? I don't think it's Egder. I think Egder had more success at 155. Yeah. I love Cub Swanson, but nah, can't be Cub. Probably Connor. I mean, what he did at 145. And Poirier is another one, but Poirier is 155. Yeah. Con- know, Connor yeah. at 145 was. That's where you know. That's where he made. That's where he was because Aldo was so dominant for so long. Like who else was there at one forty five until 
Connor came. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you're talking into it. Maybe I'm just, maybe it's just, I, I'll always prefer the fresh matchups, but, you know, Max Holloway has truly deserved it, and Volkanovski always battles. So, it's a hell of a coming. Nah, you're going to be into fights. it, bro. You're yeah, gonna, no, I will. We're yeah. going to be a little looped up, <laughs> have some beers in us. Pereira's going to have a crazy knockout. Yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely, man. If he does something that's highly realized, like they're gonna, they got booked out right away. Like, because oh, you know sure. Dana capitalized on this, which, as, which they should. You and know? they're gonna have, they're gonna, they're gonna. I could already tell you what the promo is gonna look like. Adesanya is gonna come out talking, like you know he's so dominant, yada mm-hmm. yada. And then they're gonna show him getting dropped. Yeah, by, by they're Pereira. gonna get that footage. Yeah, they're gonna get that footage. They're gonna pay a, a s- large sum of money to get that footage. Was that in Glory or it must be some other kickboxing? I think it was Glory. Oh, it was Glory. I think okay. it was Glory. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they, Pereira was a champ there. Right. Before he they left had the rights to Glory, so yeah, they could get that because because uh, kickboxing, there's so many different leagues. Like it's so hard. Yeah. But uh But no, it's gonna be cool. And look, everyone loves striking. They want to see the knockouts. Striking and knockouts, Sugar Sean. Yeah, he's got a lot to prove. This is a big test for him. Right. Is DC on commentary this weekend? Because they've had the little... They yeah. UFC posted a picture with them, too, and it's like... Uh, Good pals. Beef, beef... Uh, yeah, Cormier doesn't squad, care. Cormier, Cormier, he's just... He's dead. He's a dead. Let him be... He just, he, look, he's an analyst. He's going to critique, but... Yeah, I wonder if Sean O'Malley, just the whole top 15 thing, like, you know, where where's his career going to be going these next two years? Because mm-hmm. I feel like he's had a decisive period in his career. Like, is he going to be truly elite, or is he just going to be that fun-loving fighter? I sound like I sound, I sound like a big hot take guy saying that. Is he gonna be a top five fighter, or is he just gonna be the first guy in the main card? Like, yeah. well, here's the thing, right? Doesn't he remind you a lot of Justin Gaethje in the sense? Like Justin Gaethje early on wanted to put on the highlights. No, nah, but Justin Gaethje, man, he was fighting main events right away, though. Even they were on fight nights. Like his first fight was Michael Johnson. It was a fight night, but still, like Justin Gaethje was fighting contenders right away. My big issue with Sean Malley is like, where are the contenders at? Yeah. And His only big one. opponent, he lost. Him. Yeah, and it was I know it was a freak fight. You know, I thought he was getting pieced up in that, but it's just you I want. Made, s- I made so much money on that fight with Cheeto. I think we watched that. Was I, that on the Costa uh, on a Sonya card? I believe it was. I remember that. I believe it was. I don't know I why. I always remember Josh's backyard. I remember Cheeto Vera being like a three to one underdog, and I was like, "Yo, this <laughs> is wild, bro!" Like, there's some like even Pedro Munoz. I think I would probably bet him against O'Malley, even though I think O'Malley's gonna win. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's such a like weird thing to say. You're like, "Well, why would you bet this guy if you think the other guy's gonna win?" It's like, well, it's the betting right. aspect of it. It's the value is there. Like, I don't think it's a massive step up for for Sean O'Malley and Pedro Munoz has only lost to like champions yeah. and former champions. Yeah. Like you look at his it's resume, a really good he's, test. So he's lost to guys that have either held the belt or formally or, or, or fought for one, yeah. you know? So it's like, he's not losing to jobbers. So this right. is going to be big and he's nice. never been finished in his career too. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for this card, man. I mean, it's, it's fight week. This is the time of year where you, you expect a phenomenal card. This Every, is, yeah. this is their big event. This yeah. is their it's WrestleMania. Week. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Super Bowl, but I prefer the WrestleMania. I mean, we're always going to do the WWE MMA crossover. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know that uh, Money in the Bank is on Saturday, too, in Vegas? Wow. I didn't Talk know about that. bad booking, dude. They were going to do it at Allegiant oh, so Stadium. Oh, that's why Tony Khan was making that joke. Okay. Because, you know, they Tony Khan gets his shots in. WWE had scheduled, even after UFC. UFC always dominates this weekend. Yeah. I don't, know what, weekend. I don't know what WWE is This is This is their big thing, right? <laughs> And WWE booked Allegiant Stadium for Money in the Bank, and then they moved it to the MGM Grand because T-Mobile is where UFC is going to be. And it's like, why not do it Sunday? Yeah. 
at least, right? Like, if I was in Vegas this weekend, I would probably go to Money in the Bank on Sunday if it was. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, yo, let's go yeah. to the fights Saturday night. And before and the crossover is there, the fans are going to. Yeah, yeah, but to do it the same night is really, really asinine. Man, they've been taking L after L after L. We all know about Vinnie Mac's issues. They lost the Queen Sasha Banks, like. WWE. Bro, and the injuries in wrestling across the board. I'm not that into it, but you could I mean, me bro, they, uh, Cody Rhodes comes back. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Damn. And they're trying the to make him the number one baby face. And he's super duper over. Yeah. And he tears his peck. And now he's out. Oof. Randy Orton's out. CM Punk, Daniel Bryan. The list goes on like across everywhere. Yeah. Like Guys are getting hurt. Damn. Rough, man. Rough. Yeah, I just I just don't get why would you do Saturday night? and like they've been doing this in Vegas for how many outside of 2020 because 2020 was 2020 like this is the UFC's time in Vegas every year. Man, Vince You've McMahon, had... you can't dominate everything. You should know this by legends. now. Absolute legends. Uh, speaking of legend, Alan, you're a legend, a good kind. Uh, where can they find you, bro? Alan Stark. That's A L L E N S T R K. At Nick Deus 10, as you can find me, check out veteransminimum.com. Go over there and check out the shop. The shop is live. You can buy yourself some merch. You can buy yourself uh, some of the new hats that are dropping. And yeah, support the show. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.